0: Have you ever witnessed something so amazing that you wondered if it actually happened? Well, we are so glad that you've decided to join us today because this series on the Book of Acts is loaded with miraculous stories that may get you thinking, could God really do that? Be assured, God can. So listen in as we bear witness to how God empowers all of us to be his messengers of the good news. Here is Sean Smith. So let me ask you this question, do first impressions matter? Yes, of course they do, right? As Will Rogers once said, you never get a second chance to make a good first impression. Knowing this can cause a lot of stress. We begin to think about, well, what exactly should I wear on the first day of class or to the new job? And what exactly should I say to that cute new girl or to that new boss? You got to get it just right because there are no do-overs when it comes to first impressions. Yes, first impressions matter, but do you know what matters even more? It's the impression that you leave when all has been said and done. I'll never forget the evening that I was pulling weeds in our front flower bed when I heard the the across-the-street neighbor say to another neighbor, Did you hear the Smiths are going to move? And knowing that we were the only Smiths in the neighborhood that were about to move, I turned around to see what this conversation was about, just in time to see these two neighbors smile real big and then high-five each other. (laughs) Now, I know you're going to find this hard to believe, but I'm not a bad neighbor. I don't have a small dog that terrorizes children in the neighborhood. I've got a yippie dog, but he doesn't bite. And I don't mow my yard in my underwear, at least not the front yard. (laughs) I I tend to live a pretty quiet life in the neighborhood. I I imagine the reason they were excited to hear that we were about to move is because every Monday night we had about 40 college students who drove way too fast and took up most of the street when they parked come to our house for Bible study. But whatever the reason, I was sure hoping that news of our departure would elicit a greater response than high fives from the neighbors. (laughs) To tell you the truth, deep down what I was hoping is that when people heard about that we were moving, that that maybe their response would be a lot like the elders in Ephesus responded, that when they heard that the Apostle Paul had realized it was time for him to move on from their city. Listen to the words that we read in Acts chapter 20, beginning in verse 36. When he had said this, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. They all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. What grieved them most was his statement that they would never see his face again. Then they accompanied him to the ship. Thanks, Abigail. Isn't this what we all hope? And after you spend four years on a campus don't you hope to hear the words, you know what, you're going to really be missed from professors and peers. Don't you got to hope that after spending 10 years in a neighborhood, that there's going to be at least one neighbor that comes over and gives you a great big bear hug before you get into the moving van and drive away. Don't you hope after 20 years on a job, That there's going to be a boss who's going to look you in the eyes and say, you know what, we appreciate so much what you've contributed to this organization, and you, you are going to be so missed by this company before you walk out the front door. Don't you hope there are at least a few church members who get a little weepy-eyed when they come to realize that you've made the decision to move back closer to family? Listen, all of those reactions sure beat a rejoicing, happy to see you go high- five from people that you've been around. This is what we hope for. So how exactly did Paul elicit this type of response? Paul made such a deep impact on the people of Ephesus because of the way he lived. You know, some people make really, really good first impressions. Their charisma, their style, their charm, it just absolutely blows you away. You think, I want to be around that person. They've got it all together. They just, they blow you away. But in the long run, the impression they leave is poor. Why is that? Well, typically it's because day in and day out, they fail to live up to that first impression shine. I mean, they are great in the first meeting, blow you away. But as you get to know them, work with them, spend time with them, do life with them, day in and day out, you know, you realize they're, they're not what I thought they were. That wasn't the case with Paul. Not at all. He was a model of consistency in the way he lived. Listen to his words in Acts chapter twenty and verse seventeen through eighteen. From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. When they arrived, he said to them, You know how I lived the whole time I was with you, from the first day I came into the province of Asia. If you want people to shed tears rather than give high fives when it's time for you to go, it's really pretty simple. It comes down to this, live well. Day in and day out, live well. What exactly does this look like? It looks like being a person of humility. You go on to hear Paul say this in verse 18 and 19. You know how I lived the whole time I was with you. I served the Lord with great humility. Paul didn't big league people because he was an apostle and they were not. He didn't demand their honor and respect or use his position of influence to get his way. Instead, day in and day out, he humbly served the people of Ephesus would the same be said of you? Those who live closest to you, those who serve under your leadership, would they describe you as a person of humility? Now that's a really hard question to answer, isn't it? I mean, how do you say yes without standing, sounding like an arrogant jerk, right? I'm the most humble person anybody's ever met. How, Matt, how do, you, how do you say that? You can't say that. The second issue really that makes it hard to answer this question is simply this, is it is easy to see the pride in others. We're quick on that, but it's almost impossible to see the arrogance in ourselves. So let me share with you a couple of stories that contrast pride and humility. The first comes from Tim Keller. In his book, Counterfeit Gods, Tim Keller tells a story that a journalist told him about a dinner companion that was just oozing with pride. Keller writes this, A journalist once told me that She was at a dinner party with a highly successful and wealthy businessman. He dominated the conversation all evening, but the reporter noticed that almost none of the discussion was about economics and finance, his only field of expertise. When he held forth on interior design or single sex schools or philosophy, he acted as if his opinions were equally well informed and authoritative. Now, do you think anybody was upset to see that guy leave when it was time for him to go? I I imagine they lined up to get his coat, right? And just so you know, people will line up to get yours as well if you act like that guy. Now, let me contrast that with a story that I think illustrates humility or describes humility. It's really about Thomas Jefferson. The day that Jefferson was inaugurated as President of the United States, he made the decision to walk from his hotel room to the President's house. He wore such simple clothing that a senator mistaken him for a servant. One of his first declarations was this, there will never be a coin that bears my image, nor will there be a holiday to celebrate my birthday. He shared at one point that when he was serving as an ambassador to France, he made the observation that colleagues lead people better than kings. And he stated that it is my desire to be a colleague, not a king. That's humility. That's humility. Do you want your employees to miss you when you retire? Would you love it if a student would say, you know what? I'd like to flunk just to spend another year in your classroom, Miss Debbie. (laughs) They have, good. And that right there is humility, folks. We thank you, Debbie, for humbly (laughs) stating that they wanted to spend time with you. Do you want people to beg you to stick around a little bit longer at the dinner party? Then be humble, be humble. Listen more than you talk. Answer more questions than you ask. Give praise rather than expecting credit. Serve more than you expect to be served. If you live this way day in and day out, people will hate to see you go. But Paul not only was humble, but he was also courageous. Courageous. Let me put this in football terms. Paul made a huge impact upon the people of Ephesus because he was not afraid to run the middle route. You know what I mean? Some of you do. Some of you are not sure. So this is what it means. Many wide receivers are, they're hesitant to run across the middle of a field. It's really unnerving for them. Because they know from experience that that particular route, there's a good chance that the moment they catch the football, there are going to be a couple of defensive backs who are there ready to take their head off. I mean, just absolutely lay them out. And so oftentimes what you'll see, I shouldn't say oftentimes, but you will hear about this or you'll see this, is that a big money kind of prima donna wide receiver will just sort of pull up and let a football fall flat instead of going all the way across and making that catch. Now, when that particular type of receiver is traded, I promise you, teammates in the locker room, they high five. But just the mere mention of trading a wide receiver who has the courage to run full speed across the middle of the field, that will create unrest in a locker room. Now, many of you are thinking, how do you know this, Sean? Did you play football? I did something much better. I've listened to sports talk radio, so I, I, I know a lot about this. I'm disappointed that D'Amico is not here this morning. I was going to offer my services, but I, I don't see him here today. The real point I want you to understand this morning is Paul is the type of individual, he, he was willing to run the middle route. Wherever the Holy Spirit told him to go, he was willing to go regardless of the risk or the threat that it put him under. We continue to read in verse 22, Do you really want people to hate to see you go? Then live out God's will for your life regardless of the cost. Be the first to volunteer and the last to leave. Make the tough decisions even though friends may bail on you. Be open with your life even though you may be misunderstood. Give even though you may be taken advantage of. Go, even though everyone says, you know, that's not safe. Do, even though everyone says that may be pointless. Whatever it is, whatever it is, just run the route the Holy Spirit draws up regardless of the cost. You will leave a lasting impact on your family, on your neighborhood, on your workplace, on this church, if you do. So Paul lived well. But I also want you to notice that Paul loved well. He loved well, and how did he do this? He loved well because he was willing to enter into people's pain. There are a lot of people who will show up in the good times. They'll be there in the good times, but it is those individuals that show up in the tough times. Those are the people that you do not quickly forget. Have you had people like that in your life? I'm sure you have. When you think of these people, it's hard not to get a little bit misty-eyed, isn't it? Are you this type of friend to other people? Some of us are hesitant because we're not exactly sure what to do or what to say when we're with hurting people. It makes us a little bit uncomfortable. And so what do you do for hurting people? Well, I want you to notice what Paul did when he was in Ephesus. Acts chapter 20, verse 18-19. You know how I lived the whole time I was with you from the first day, my first day I came into the province of Asia. I served the Lord with great humility and with tears. No doubt one of the primary reasons that these people hated to see Paul go, or they wept with Paul, is because of the many times that he showed up and he wept with them when they were hurting. That's a beautiful expression of love that's not easily forgotten if you truly want to leave an impact on people then weep with those who weep now you don't have to literally share shed tears but be the person who shows up at the neighbor's house when you hear through the grapevine that their children is seriously ill or has been injured be that person Be the person that goes into your coworker's office when you've heard the news, they've just been told that their services are no longer needed. Be the person who puts their arm around the classmate who is struggling because she just found out from her mom and dad they've made the decision to divorce. Listen, you don't have to say anything. In fact, in most cases, it's better that you don't. You just be there until you realize it's not time for you to be there. And if you're that type of person, the mere mention of your name will cause those who have been impacted by your love, it will cause them to weep tears. I promise you that. Paul wept, but he also met needs. He goes on to say in verse 34 through 35, You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. During his three-year stay in Ephesus, I believe Paul modeled for these people a godly philosophy of work, and I believe this godly philosophy of work sounds something like this. I'm going to make as much money as I possibly can by working as hard as I can so that I can help as many people as I can, give us away as much as I can to help those who are in need. No wonder these people wept when they received the news that it was time for Paul to move on down the road. You don't want to lose a guy like this, a guy who says, you know, I'm going to come into your place, into your environment. I'm going to just work as hard as I can so that I have the resources to give away as much as I can. I know there are different philosophies on this. I know some people people believe the philosophy is just kind of, I'm not going to work real hard because I don't need material things, and I'm just going to live this simple life, and and that's okay, I I suppose, except for debate. I didn't even plan on going down this road, uh, but that may be one philosophy. I tend to prefer this other philosophy that says, you know what, I'm going to work really hard. I'm going to make some money, but I'm not making it for myself. It's not about me. It's about all the people in the world who are in need, who don't have the abilities that I have to work the way I can work, to make the money I can make so that they can be blessed. And that's what I want to do. Ming, I don't know if I can, can I share with you what you shared with me this morning or no, you sure? Ming came to me this morning and said, you know what, I've had this opportunity or it looks like I'm gonna have an opportunity. To start working again i'm really starting to think about what i should do with this because i'm i'm loving the ministry that i'm doing while i'm not working but now it looks like god's calling me to take this job but i know it's not about me just making more money so i'm starting to dream about how to use this money to bless the homeless praise god for that man thank you for your heart i love that spirit that's the spirit of paul and that's why Mean when I think of you, oftentimes I get a little teary-eyed because I love that heart and I love that spirit. A few years ago, a friend came to me and shared that he had just received the news or just found out a fellow church member had lost his job, and so he shared with me that he went to the church member and just expressed, hey, if there's anything that you need, please let me know. And then he said the moment he spoke those words, he regretted it said the reason he regretted it is because he realized that of course this man was going to have needs he had a family to take care of and why would he put it upon this particular church member who was hurting to come to him and ask for help and so he became convicted i just need to get a check into the hands of this man as soon as i possibly can listen it is easy to say nice things to people who are in need but what can you truly do to meet the needs of those who are hurting? And we wrestle with this at times. What do I do to bless others? How do I best meet the need that they're going through right now? And sometimes we don't know. I understand. I feel the same way so often. But as I think about this, here's what I would suggest this morning. Just think about what would you want somebody to do for you if you were in that particular situation and then go do it. Don't wait for them to make the ask. Just go do it and when you do those things you will leave an impact on the lives of other people they hate to see you go now at the same time I'm going to offer just a quick word of caution or warning here sometimes what you want other people to do for you that's not necessarily what they want you to do for them okay so for instance uh, for some of you when you're physically sick what you really hope is that somebody will bring you a tuna casserole so you don't have to work or don't have to cook I don't need that personally, okay? I need a pepperoni pizza and cotton candy. That's what I need you to bring me when I'm I'm sick. So here's what we want to do. Maybe we want to share with people what we plan on doing for them, but then give them an opportunity to modify it. So, for instance, you might say, hey, listen, now you're going in for surgery. I plan on coming to the hospital to visit you. My plan is to stay 15 minutes. Is that okay? That too long, too short. Some people, you know, doing this, you go to a lot of hospitals. Some people love it if you stay for 45 minutes or an hour. Some people would prefer you stick your head in, say a prayer, and get out. I'm kind of like that. I understand that. So we want to give people the opportunity to say, here's what I need, not what we think they need in that particular situation. So we give people the opportunity to say or to to kind of modify what we plan on doing. I want to share with you one other way that Paul loved well. Paul spoke truth. He loved the people of Ephesus so much that he was willing to share with them what they needed to hear from God's word. Verse 20 and 21. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. Do you think that was easy? Maybe sometimes, but not always. I am sure there were moments in which he called people to repentance, in which he said, listen, the way you're living is not the way God would want you to live, that that ruffled some feathers. But he loved these people so much that he did not want them to miss out on the blessing of God. And so he spoke God's truth to them. Some of the people who have made the greatest impact upon my life are those individuals who have told me what I needed to hear at a time when I didn't really want to hear it. The truth is, at the particular moment, I just wanted them to go away. That's what I wanted. But they loved me enough to say, no, I'm going to show up, and I'm going to say to you what you need to hear, because I love you, I care about you. And when I think about those individuals, I get a little bit misty-eyed when I think about them and the role they've played in my life. I'll share with you one story. I'll never forget the Sunday morning. I was a junior in high school. I announced to the family on a Sunday morning that I would meet them at worship service, but I would no longer be going to Bible class. Our family had recently moved from San Jose to Salt Lake City, Utah, and the new youth group was not anything like my old youth group. Far cry. I did not particularly care for them. And so I was still laying in bed when I made that announcement, and those words had barely gotten out of my bedroom door when my little sister came rushing in, jumped into the middle of the bed, stuck her finger in my face, and said, you will get out of bed and go to youth group. You need youth group, and they need you. And I got out of bed, because she's a mean little Henri cuss. And I kept going. And I'm so glad that I did. And I'm thankful. I'm thankful that somebody loved me enough to say, this is what you need, whether you realize it or not. You want to impact others? Speak the truth at the right time with the right spirit about what they need to hear. Especially when they're running a path that is leading them further away from God. And they may not like it at the time, but if they have the ears to hear, eventually, they'll be thankful and they'll never forget it. Especially when they come to understand that you love them so much that you're willing to risk your relationship with them because you care more about their relationship with God. So let me ask you this question. If you were to move tomorrow with the people around you in your neighborhood in your family at work at school in this church would they high five would they weep would they barely notice let's not leave it to chance let's make the decision this morning to renew our efforts to live and to love in a way that makes a lasting, positive impact. May this message serve as a reminder that for God, nothing is impossible. He empowers us to be His witness every day. If you have any questions about what being His witness means, if you have any prayer requests or would like to share your faith story with us, please email us at podcast at Again, thank you for joining us here at Intersections Podcast, where faith and life collide.